It is the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, and reacting to uh, extremely tough weekend for uh, Baylor men's and women's basketball. And there have been some tough ones <clears throat> over the years. Uh, obviously, because of the women's program, this is a this loss comes at a time where we've been more than a decade since something like this has happened. But I, you know, I do think Baylor fans, uh, because of the huge success with men's and women's basketball, have probably become a, a little spoiled over the years. I welcome on uh, Kevin Longquist, who's covered Baylor for a good number of years, longtime friend and colleague of mine. And, Kevin, I was just talking about this idea of, I mean, all this happening, a brutal weekend for <clears throat> Baylor Athletics. And then, of course, on Saturday, <laughs> the baseball team on top of it blows an 8-5 lead in the bottom of the ninth. And I'm thinking, what else can go wrong today? And then, of course, something else went wrong on Sunday. Uh, Kevin, can you recall, you're always good at putting things in perspective, uh, can you recall a, uh, a, a worse weekend for uh, uh, for Baylor in terms of wins or losses? Uh, not really, because there haven't been many like this uh, over the last decade plus. And, you know, because usually you could count on the women to get past the uh, first weekend of the tournament rather easily because they were playing their games at home. And I'm not so surprised that the men lost to North Carolina as I was the women lost to South Dakota on Sunday. And maybe more so about the women in the fact that they really never had a look at this game. I mean, they got it to a couple. They got it to maybe a two possession game on a couple of times, if I recall correctly. But when you fall into an eleven nothing hole and you look completely flat to start, and you just can't get over the mountain, especially at home, I mean, that was pretty much like um, nothing like I've ever seen before. And you know, it, it's just it's one of those things, Matt. That um, you know, you just kind of have to. learn from it and try and become better for it. I mean, the one thing I can say, getting back to the men, was you saw the heart of a champion with a program like Baylor and how they were down by 25, and maybe the fact that Brady Maddock got ejected because of the elbow, the flagrant two, and the way they put on the the press where North Carolina acted like it had never seen one before. But the way that they rose up and got that thing into overtime like they did, the largest comeback in NCAA tournament history, it just kind of shows you what that program's all about. You know, I, you, I think that was going to be, um, and, and it, I guess it may still be a record as far as overcoming a deficit. Obviously, it becomes a bigger deal if they go ahead and win the game. I was trying to think back, Kevin. I remember one of those basketball tournaments, um, non-conference type deal where they they were down I think to Louisville and Patino a few years back and they were way down at the half and they came rolling back uh, I do think it speaks to the character of the team I, I think the frustrating thing for Scott and the staff and the players as well is how do you how do you find yourself getting in that type of hole and much like what you said you know before that uh, inspiring comeback i mean it was like in my mind i was just like stay connected stay connected you should be okay uh if you just get to the half you know maybe seven or eight points there was a point in that game kevin where it was 16 to 10 they're fine they're not in a bad way or anything and then there was a 
there was a technical foul, and right. and that really put them in a bad way. I, I think that ended up being a five point possession for the Tar Heels, and and man, at at twenty one ten, that suddenly became a pretty a pretty big uphill climb, especially since that RJ uh, was uh, Davis was hitting everything and then of course Manic got going like crazy. I mean, he was an okay player at Oklahoma. I mean he was fine. But I I honestly don't ever remember him just going off on Baylor like that. I think it was probably Brady's first game against them when uh like maybe the seventeen eighteen season because I happened to look at this his history against Baylor. Up until uh Saturday I think he was like one in seven lifetime against the Bears, and he won it. And I think that W was his first one in his first appearance. I think he scored like twenty-eight or something like that. But you're right. You know, the twenty-one to ten deficit. I actually became a little bit more alarmed at twenty-four to ten. And then there, and then as they started to surge back, there were <clears throat> possessions where they miss a couple of shots. I think Flagler miss, missed one, and Sohan missed one. That are like if you hit those shots, you're really putting yourself in a good position. I think they were down like 31-24, and if they hit the three, which I think was coming off the hands of Flagler, that puts them to within 31-27. And I'm thinking, man, if they get those, maybe you, you kind of put yourself in a better position. And then when it went to the half at 42-29, I didn't have a good feeling about this at all. And then, of course, it got even worse when it got to 25, and I thought – and it's funny because I just looked at a colleague of mine who was sitting right next to me on, on press row, and I said – okay, this is about the time where North Carolina is going to start to get into game management mode, and that was right before the ejection of Manic, and then uh, Drew went to the press, and that's when the game flipped. And then the atmosphere at Dickey's Arena, for those who are there, you can appreciate what Matt and I uh, saw and were a part of. But if you weren't, it was outstanding. It was a great college basketball scene, for sure. It just didn't turn out Baylor's way in the overtime. Yeah, I'm trying to remember at the start of the OT. You know what was interesting to me, Kevin, is is they went small and, and they they realized that in in order to and again I think Sohan, uh, one of the reasons NBA teams love him so much. Some of his nasty defense was on mm-hmm. display, and and he's going to be a problem in the NBA because he gets under people's skin. He does not back down, and I, I do find it funny that that uh, such a soft-spoken, diplomatic, almost kind of an old soul at age 18 can be <laughs> that nasty, you know, on the floor. He he doesn't – that's not the way he comes across off the court and no. uh, at all. And, uh, and I thought that was uh, – but what I was going to say to you, I thought that was interesting that, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, to start the OT – Flo, who was not on the floor basically throughout that huge comeback for, right. for various reasons. Okay. You didn't, you really needed to go small and you needed to, to junk that game up. Right. You needed jump shots. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but what, what was interesting is they had that huge comeback and then I kind of thought, well, okay, you just stay with what got you back in it. They came back with Flo. So in a sense, they, they kind of started the OT. Uh, Flo had been in foul trouble, and obviously he went on to foul out soon after. But but I thought that was interesting. I think Kendall um, started the OT on the bench, maybe Meyer, because I think Bonner was in there. 
So right. Meyer, and, and I think we found out later, Meyer had been sick and that kind of stuff. But I just thought that was, uh, uh, again, I'm not really questioning Scott as much as I'm just like, that was an interesting choice it, well, now I that I kind of look back at everything. Yeah, I think, Matt, I mean, you kind of go with the hot hand of what the lineup did that, that got you to the overtime. But for me, the whole key to this thing was the fact, remember, North Carolina got the opening possession of the overtime. And then they hit a three right as the shot clock expires on that opening possession. I think the whole key to this, even as great as the comeback was, is that Baylor never took the lead. They got it tied, of course, but they never took the lead. And I think mentally speaking, if you're the team that's made the comeback all the way and then you get the lead, it's almost, and we've seen this so many times before in other games, that when you finally get the lead, there's like a, there's like a mental shift. It kind of, it's like a 180. You feel like you're in control, and even though it might be a one- or two-point game or something like that, you feel like it's 10. And, you're the t- and if you're the team that suddenly finds itself behind after basically having the lead throughout the game, you're all of a sudden panicking or something like that. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we have to go for it because we're now trailing for the first time. It's a different mentality. So I think that's one of the key things there. You know, Again, if Baylor had gotten the lead in, at any point in the overtime, because it wasn't going to happen in regulation because uh, they tied it so late, um, if, if they had just found a way to get, it, get the lead in overtime, I think we could have seen talking about Baylor uh, going to Philadelphia. It just didn't turn out that way. Yeah, you and I would have been putting our trips together, kind of getting everything <laughs> fixed yeah. up. And, and uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in Philly because covering the Eagles. And uh, uh, you, you were a known Eagles hater, so I think uh, I think you've spent as little time there as possible. But uh, I, I was kind of curious, talking to Kevin Longquist from Rivals, you can follow him at, at Sikkim Sports. Uh, and... Uh, and then at Baylor Rivals, he's the man. He's kind of like his burner phone. He has a burner uh, Twitter <laughs> handle as well that he puts some of his private thoughts out there. But right. uh, I, 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 I guess the biggest difference in, in how that deficit came about, and, and by the way, they had a deficit against Villanova in mm-hmm. last year's uh, tournament, and they were able to overcome it. But not that big, but but no, but it was somewhat yeah, of a deficit. Nine, I think they were down nine at the half, or something, something like, like that. that. Seven or nine, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that team's identity was its unbelievable defense. Now they hit threes. They had great players and all that. I mean, this team certainly was not close to as deep as that team, and and not as talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the weird thing about this year is when you look back to what they did, Kevin against Villanova, a team that uh, was able to hang around the tournament for a little bit. I guess still in there. They're going Sweet 16, aren't they, Villanova? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, so. They sure are. Um, yeah, they beat Ohio I, State yesterday. Yeah. I, I, they, they put that team in a headlock and held them to like 36 points or something insane like that. If you think mm-hmm. back to November or early December, whenever that game happened, probably, probably early December. Um, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, other than EJ's big, from a defensive standpoint, losing him was big. But to to get obliterated by three point shooting is just so. Uh, and it, I guess it was just so uncharacteristic, especially of last year's team. Uh, it was weird to be that good on defense earlier this season, and then to have what happened the other day. 
I just think it was a, a culmination because that team was healthy at the beginning of the season. Now, that's why they were running off to that 15-0 start and number one ranking. And I think, you know, you 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 had the issue with when they lost that that game to Tech at home. Uh, you know, they had the big lead at the half, or they had the big lead early, and then they had like a, what was it, a 10-point lead at the half, and then Tech just came storming back and found a way to win in Waco. I think that kind of started, and that's, of course, when, when the, the the injuries had kind of started the week before when Sohan went down with the sprained ankle at TCU. But then Akinjo goes down with the tailbone issue, uh, doesn't play very well. They lo- they wind up losing to Oklahoma State at home right after Tech. Yeah. And they look very mo- And they look very mortal after that. They just looked like they were out of sync, out of sorts, and – you know, he was trying to get back. I mean, to think about it, uh, Matt. What they fin- they finished twenty seven and seven. So when they got off to that fifteen and zero start, they finished the year twelve and seven. You know, they still found a way to share the Big Twelve championship, which I didn't think they were going to have a chance to do. Yeah, you know, the way things were going, especially when they lost in Lubbock. So credit them. I think they just again, when you have injuries, you don't your best shooter on. You, you basically didn't have your best shooter for the last seven weeks of the season. You lost your best guy coming off the bench in Jonathan Chachua when he goes down against Texas on February 12th. And so all these roles have to flip. Your bench is shorter, and then things change. So the team that we saw that pretty much put it on Villanova back in mid-December was nothing like the team that we saw that finished the season this past Saturday against North Carolina. But to still find a way to share a conference championship, yeah. defend your title in earnest like they did, and get and and. and unfortunately lose to North Carolina in overtime, um, it shows you where the substance of the program is. Now, obviously, Scott's going to do some things with his staff, with Jerome Tang now going to Kansas State, uh, which is a great move for Jerome, by the way, so congratulations to him. Um, but, at, but at the same time, you know he, he's got some roster things that he's got to look at because does Akinjo come back? Mayor likely is not going to come back, but does he want to change his mind and come back? Would Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan, would they declare, but would they not get an agent, you know, that sort of thing? Or would they just say because of their draft stock being as high as it is, we're gone? I happen to think that those two are pretty much out the door. But then you've got a great recruiting class coming in. Langston Love's coming back from his ACL injury that he suffered back prior to the season. Yeah. So a lot of things to shape with this roster. And I, you know, they'll be a preseason top 10, top 15 team next year for sure. All right. Well, We'll, uh, I'll let you go with that. I've got thoughts on this K-State job. I'm excited for Jerome, too. That's a tough, tough job. We can talk more it about is. that. And, and and I also, if we're complimenting people, Kevin, that job the uh, coach at South Dakota did yesterday, whoa. Now, that's somebody coming in with a game plan, and uh, that is, uh, that's remarkable stuff. And uh, you're You've got roots in the in in Minnesota, uh, so you know I I think you probably have some some uh, affection for the folks from like South Dakota and North Dakota, well, and uh, that that was some uh, that was some good that was some good I'd say they kind of talk there's like similar accents is what I'm getting yeah. at, but yeah. I'm just telling you the fans that showed up and the excitement is is as bad as I felt for Nikki and the Baylor players. Um, when you see those kinds of uh, teams come in and pull that off, that's a huge deal. That's a that's mm-hmm. a that's a that's a program changing deal. So yeah. uh, I I try to look at that side of it. 
Uh, although selfishly, you know, I'm still would way rather beat them. But I'm just saying it. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was pretty remarkable. All right, Kevin. Kind of like uh, I'm going to yeah, let. Like Saint yeah, Peter's go ahead. Over Ken, uh, Kentucky. I was just going to say quickly. It's just like St. Peter's yeah. over Kentucky in the tournament. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was more than happy to see that. I, I had no problem cheering for that. I had a big problem rooting for the – I was not rooting for the South Dakota Coyotes. Um, no. My gosh, though, that, that was some kind of game plan, and uh, those farm girls came in and were hitting a lot of shots. All right, uh, Kevin, all my best, all right? Have a have a good rest of the week. Try to get your chin up, and uh, and let's uh, let's focus on some different – let's focus on baseball, okay? Yep, and, and football starting tomorrow. So uh, thanks, Matt. Always good to talk with you. Take care. Okay, thank you, Kevin. That is right. Spring football. Aaron, let's remember that. Let's do something big on that tomorrow. And, uh, man, I may show up, see if I can take a peek in there, see what the spring. Golly, that is very exciting. Spring football, the defending Big 12 champs back in action. 